The Water Coolest daily financial newsletter is now powered by Barstool Sports. It's the only newsletter that I read every morning to stay informed on what the hell is going on in the markets. You can check it out at barstool.link slash watercoolest. That's barstool.link slash watercoolest, W-A-T-E-R-C-O-O-L-E-S-T. Tea with Publicity presented by my favorite tequila hard seltzer, Mamitas. Mamitas is a hard seltzer made with real tequila. It's only 95 calories with a 5% ABV, so you know it will get the job done, especially now that it is, I think it's officially summer, like maybe within the last like few days or so. Um, it comes in four delicious flavors, mango, pineapple, paloma, and lime. You guys know what my favorite is. I love the paloma one with mango in a close second. I don't know. I kind of just like switch every week. Um, but you can get them in four packs or variety eight packs. It is mucho delicious. And be sure to get yours by following them at Drink Mamitas. And continue to tag me in your Instagrams. I love when you guys post your mamitas and say, at publicity made me do it. I'm like, Yes, girls, the tea tribe knows what's good. Okay, guys, let's just jump into things this week. I finally got a camera for Mackenzie. <laughs> We're here. Yes. We so did it. We'll see. Like, you know, maybe we'll update it, make I'm, it better. Yeah, this, yeah, I'm like looking at it through like <laughs> as I'm here. So it could also be like totally out of focus or yeah, like totally we, incorrect. But I guess we'll see. We have no idea. But trial we, and error. We want to give the people what they want. And <laughs> now you could put a face to Mackenzie. Yes. And this is going to be a really exciting episode. So let me just recap what we're going to be doing. I guess that's not called a recap because a recap is at the end. Let me preface what we're going to be doing here. Then um, I'll get into my little life update. But so just so you guys know, first of all, um, we are going to catch up on what's going on with me. I want to share some things with you guys. Then I am going to hop into an interview with Barstool Sports CEO, Erica Nardini. Yes, our CEO is a woman. Um, you guys have been DMing me like crazy, wanting me to have on um someone to talk about women in business and you know salary and just everything that goes into being a woman in this world in this in this life so I am so excited to have Erica on we will have the interview with her then Mackenzie and I will answer your questions during the Ask Alyssa segment and then as always we will spill the damn tea so first let me just kick you guys off um it's Monday. As you guys know, I record these on Mondays and then, you know, Tuesdays they come out. Well, actually kind of like tonight at midnight, yeah. but I had a good ass Monday morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. I um, I felt like last week was one of those weeks where I didn't food shop much mm -hmm. at, so, at all, actually. So yeah. I was like, you know, when you kind of have stuff in your fridge so you could scrap something together. Yeah, yeah. So I was doing that basically mm -hmm. just scrapping things together mm -hmm. and now today I was like okay I can't do that anymore I need to cook I like to cook yeah I need to just be a normal freaking human and not scrap together frozen food yeah so I what I ended up doing is ordering food on Amazon Prime so that will be delivered oh. by the time I come home from work today yeah. and then I did um I got a blowout this morning you guys know I love my at-home blowout <laughs> which just makes me feel like it's self-care while I could sit on my phone and do my emails or prep for my interviews yeah, yeah. where you can like multitask exactly without wasting your time so I did that I watched an episode of their originals which is the show that I've been binging I um showered skincare blowout got dressed just everything and I spent like a few hours working from home and doing self-care mm -hmm. and I just wanted to make sure that I started my Monday on a good foot yeah because I knew I would have to come into the studio today I'm going to be recording for a few hours and then I have the personal trainer tonight and then a friend is in town so I was like okay my day and my week is going to be busy so how could I set myself up for success yeah how was your Monday it, it? it was fine. <laughs> it's been fine. I was like, I always am like moping on Monday. Like I uh -huh. am just like, oh, the week is starting. But that is very smart. Like to 
like set, set yourself tone. up. Yeah, exactly. For positive vibes. Exactly. And I was also listening to a podcast with the Skinny Confidential, who I would love to have on my podcast one day. And she also motivated me because she was saying this really interesting thing where she invests her money into time on herself. Mm-hmm. And for example, like she was saying that for two two days a week, she gets two hour foot rubs. So that's oh, wow. four hours a week. Oh my gosh. That yes. sounds amazing. Which sounds like, I don't even know if I'd want my feet rubbed for two hours yeah that seems a lot but what she does is like while she's getting the foot rub is she'll give herself designated two hours to do all of her emails yeah answer all of her dms Mm -hmm. so that is like her way of getting in self-care while also being productive yeah that's actually really smart so smart and I feel like that's kind of what I do with like my blowouts or Mm -hmm. when I get my nails done I'll you know you can't be on you're using your hands right so y'all <laughs> sorry if you guys just saw me make a face I heard like a weird there's some sc- pranks happening outside yeah, the I saw like studio. a rubber snake on the ground yes, me too um so yeah so that's what I kind of try to do um and I just wanted to start off Monday like feeling good so what I also did was um I scheduled a pickup for my laundry I live in New York City obviously and um there's laundry in buildings but it costs you know, you have to buy a laundry card yep. and then it costs like, you know, $5 a load, but yep. then the machines are small. So then you have mm-hmm. to run like 10 loads. Yeah. It's wild. So say it cost me $20 to do my laundry in my building. It cost me $25 to send it out mm-hmm. and have them fold it for me yeah, and deliver it everything to my door. Yeah. So I scheduled my laundry to be picked up. And I think my next thing on my list is I'm going to order new bedding. And it's kind of a shame because my bedding's probably only like six months old. It's not very old at all. Yeah. But I don't know if you guys remember if you've been following me for a while and you follow me on TikTok. I did this video where I um, bought these clips that go on your duvet and they hold your comforter inside your duvet so it's not shifting. Yeah. The issue is I'm a very messy sleeper. Like I'm not one of those people that sleeps in my bed and you could just like hop out in the yeah, morning yeah. and remake it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like... You have to like take all the pillows off, take everything off, and then redo it all. It is like a tornado flew through me. I have <laughs> one leg over the cover. The blankets oh, yeah. wrapped around me. I get hot. I throw it off. So my duvet is always getting like shifted. Yeah. And what happened was because I had these things holding it mm-hmm. for whatever reason my feather like comforter it's mm-hmm. down comforter oh yeah I punctured a hole in it oh no so now there's just feathers all over I cannot find the source of the hole and there are right. feathers oh my gosh all over I'm talking about in my bathroom in my hall like yeah you will take my blanket and and go to like you know um, shake, it out. shake it out and it's like a bird died That's in my room wild oh my gosh and also it's very hot like having this like feather comforter so yeah and my duvets it's just everything like I feel like my sheets I've always had white bedding and no matter how careful you are you get marks on them they get brown no what, they get yeah. weird mm-hmm. so I don't want to I honestly don't want to spend the money because right. bedding is so expensive but it I'm is. like I think I just need to scrap my bedding yeah I know I could I could never I have just like a regular comforter I could like I had a duvet one time and it was when I was studying like I did a semester in Los Angeles and it was just the, the whatever bedding they had in our little yeah. apartment that we lived in and I it was horrible I could never get it back in it was like tossing and turning like going inside the thing to try to get it back in it was horrible I was like I can never have this again I'm just doing regular comforter I think I need to just get like a comforter yeah and when yeah it's like easier to wash and stuff when it's just the duvet and everything but still mm-hmm. it's it's a hassle it's driving me insane mm-hmm. and I need these feathers like I need to box it up and like get rid of it somehow because yeah. I can't keep dealing with these feathers they keep in my showing apartment. up everywhere oh my god it's <laughs> so bad yeah um bad. but anyway so this past weekend I was in Boston seeing my friend Samantha who because of the pandemic, we haven't seen each other in a year and a half, which mm-hmm. is so insane because yeah. we obviously live in different states. Mm-hmm. For so many months, we weren't taking um, public transportation. Right. So it's not like I was going to take a train there yeah. or, you know, until we were both vaccinated. Yeah. We just really both were trying to be careful. Mm-hmm. And finally, we got to see each other and I got to see her house. And, you know, it was just so nice to, like, see a friend that I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. And then... um. 
Yeah, one of the other girls that was at the, because it was for an engagement party, one of the girls that was at the engagement party texted me after saying her her husband um, thinks that he has a friend that they would want to introduce me oh, to. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and they were like, can I give him your number? And I was like, yeah, sure. sure. Like, he sounded like a good catch from what they said. Yeah. They sent me like one blurry picture, and I was like, I'm, try- I'm not trying to judge anyone. Like, yeah. we'll just see how it is. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear from him, so oh, no. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I still will, but um, yeah, there's time. Even my sister and her current husband—I said her current husband as if she's had <laughs> more than one. <laughs> yeah, like a million. <laughs> my sister and her husband, even when they were they got set up, and it took him a year before reaching out. Oh, really? That's I, so long. I think some people, you know, I've had men where I've been like. I think this girl's great for you. Here's her number. And they haven't reached out. Yeah. I just think for whatever reason, people put it off. Yeah. I feel like with like boys and men too, sometimes it can just get like lost and whatever. And they don't really like want to put as much effort into it or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But it's just frustrating because I ideally would love to get set up Mm -hmm. because. Yeah. Then it's like mutual friend. You kind of know. Yeah. What happened was when. I wasn't talking to them about like getting set up or anything. They were just asking me about my life and we were talking and they didn't even mention it in person. They texted me the next day with the idea, but I just happened to be saying to them, I was like, I want, you know, to date someone that has their shit together. Mm -hmm. Ideally, I would love to be with someone that lives by themselves because I live by myself. And Mm -hmm. I mean, if someone has a roommate, it's not the end of the world. Right. Obviously. Yeah. But I was like, you know, if someone has their, has a good job and has their own place like that's really attractive to me mm-hmm. and when they texted me they were like we were thinking and like we have someone and he has his own place <laughs> <laughs> they knew immediately <laughs> I was dying. You're like all right we're good set it up <laughs> i i literally said i'm sold yeah like, i don't care if he is shrek right like, let's just <laughs> let's just see yeah <laughs> um because i'm kind of just open to whatever and i'm just trying to be a little bit more like open to possibilities yeah Mm -hmm. um I might have a date with another guy Mm -hmm. who I've been talking to but the issue was I was away and now he's going away and it's like back and forth our schedules just haven't matched up so sometimes with dating apps then you don't end up ever meeting up because the conversation trails off yeah it just ends unless you like get his number or he gets your number well we've been texting oh okay yeah and not too much like he'll text me every like three days yeah like hey how's whatever how's it going yeah which is actually I think perfect Mm -hmm. and the conversations don't go on and on and on and right I like it just like get in get out how was your weekend yeah boom done Mm -hmm. um yeah so that's that's a little update on my life I am really excited to have Erica on to talk about career because like you guys know, I think I talked about it in my third episode or fourth episode with Fran. I don't think it was my third, actually. It might have been my fourth or fifth. I have had quite the career journey. I'm someone that doesn't shy. Um, shy I'm not shy about talking about money and uh, women in the workplace. I've divulged on previous podcasts or interviews my starting salary. Mm-hmm. I've talked very openly about... Um, you know, money that I've made on partnerships. And I think that the more we could have these conversations, the more it helps all of us because money is so taboo. And um, I think that this conversation will just be really, really inspiring for myself included. Like I am so excited to pick her brain and just hear from her. So let's jump into the interview with Erica. And then I hope you stay around until the end because people write in if you're new here we call it the ask Alyssa segment they write in I give them my advice and sometimes the questions are pretty crazy and it's definitely fun and then we will spill the tea on this week's pop culture happenings so here is the interview and I will see you right back after okay guys I am here with Erica Nardini the CEO of Barstool Sports hi hi thanks so much for joining me me. (laughs) I'm really excited just to connect honestly this is a good one-on-one so good um first of all I just want to thank you because my hiring process you made me feel so at ease and I think that's really important for people to Mm -hmm. know even Mm -hmm. because you know you hear CEO you think a certain thing And I think you've always kind of just like stripped back the layers of like what a woman in business and 
in sports looks like. Mm-hmm. And people have so many questions. Like people oh, are, yeah. My audience has been begging me to have like, talk about, you know, women in the workplace. Sure. So just to give people like a little bit of background, mm-hmm. I'd love for them to kind of learn how you got to Barstool. Sure. Uh, so thanks for having me. This yeah. is so great. Um, I love your message on the show. I've always loved your message. Thank which you. Which is why I'm so excited you're here. Um, how did I get here? It was kind of like a long winding road. I think that what people forget about a career is that it takes a while and it meanders and nothing is really like ever perfect. Like yeah. this is as close to my dream job as I think I will ever, ever have. And it is the furthest thing from a perfect job. So I started out, I had an internship at Fidelity Investments. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. I hated it. Um, I then switched jobs a bunch of times and eventually like found myself in an ad agency. And I loved working in an ad agency. I thought it was creative and everyone was young and it was very fun and I could work really hard and I could get more responsibility with the more I did. I found like there was a very direct causal relationship between how much work I put in and how much I got to do. Um, and I really loved that. And I got to manage people at a young age and I got to travel a lot. And it was like everything I was kind of looking for in life. Um, I got my first big break. I went to work for Microsoft and I took a job abroad pretty much and built what was at that time called branded entertainment where I was create, connecting brands with technology and content. But really I moved from an advertising environment to publishing, which for me was a really big break. I wanted to work in content. Mm. Um, and I always really wanted my career to be about some combination of money and content and people and audience and marketing and brands. And I, I was able to find a place where I could put all those things together. And so I've always really worked in the internet since probably a year into my career. And then, you know, I worked at Yahoo. I worked at a company called Demand Media and helped take them public. I worked at AOL. Um, I left AOL to launch a startup in the music space. Um, All the while, I had known about Barstool Sports because I had lived in Boston forever. Everyone I knew was from Boston Dave had built, you know, this kind of underground, rough-and-tumble cult, and I had a lot of respect for him, slash, like, curiosity and intrigue, slash, like, who is this guy? Mm -hmm. Like, who is this mystery man? And, but I really loved Barstool Sports. I was a Patriots fan. I loved the way that Dave wrote. I loved that they didn't care what anybody thought. I thought the idea that there was this, like, underground brand was just so compelling to me. And long story short, I met Dave through a mutual friend. They were looking for a CEO for the business. Um, the you know the Chernin Group, who was the investor at the time, went through a process where there was a bunch of MBAs and a bunch of guys who like had blue checkered shirts and mm. worked in sports. And then along came me via Dave, and um, the rest was really history. So I've been wow. here five and a half years. Was that scary for you to step into that role? Definitely. You know, I remember going to meet with Peter Chernin. So Peter Chernin used to run Fox and now runs the Chernin Group. And he was pretty much like, why the fuck do you think you're qualified for this job? Mm -hmm. And the truth was, like, I wasn't sure I was. (laughs) You know, so I was like, uh, (laughs) you know, and he is a formidable man. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm like sweating bullets. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I had a lot of energy for it. I felt that I had a lot of good experience that I could draw on. And then I also was like, he's either going to give me a chance or he's not. And and I think he was kind of like, I don't know if you're going to work out or not. So it was a big jump. It was a very big departure for me. It was, you know, a lot of people didn't want to come on this ride. They didn't agree with Barstool. They didn't buy into what I was doing. But I really felt like it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. And it's really proved to be that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, no regrets on that front. I mean, totally a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I think a lot of people are surprised to even learn that Barstool has a female CEO, Mm -hmm. let alone female, uh, like everyone else on the executive like Mm -hmm. team is also mostly women. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's something I knew I'd get a little bit of like feedback from starting here. But now that my audience like sees what I'm doing, 
they don't care. They're yeah, like, they we just care. They're wanna... like, we want to follow, you know, we want to but follow you have publicity. To like, what? who are you? We're interested in you. And I think, you know, what I like about Barstool Sports is that I don't think anyone is perfect and I don't think any company is perfect. What I really like about us is we just wear it all on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually what makes it very interesting and that that's what gets people bought in and engaged in, in engaged and I think so much in the influencer world and in media and in content is this desire to show perfection and we're kind of the opposite which is we're just showing you like it is mm. good bad and ugly and I personally find that way more interesting I think in history yeah. the things that are you know most interesting are often the most dramatic Dave is a genius and kind of the alchemy of creating things in content that are dramatic. But I think we also have a real, you know, we have a lot of people here like you who are like growing your own tribe and finding your voice and sharing it with people who also want to share something back and you're embracing of that. And like, what more can you ask for? I think you kind of have to have like, like balls in a sense to work in a place where you know that it can come with negativity mm-hmm. or or so much positivity completely it's like you have to take a chance yes and I feel like I've never really been scared to take chances and it sounds like you either from mm-hmm. switching jobs and completely and pivoting yep. it's led you to your quote-unquote dream job yeah I think that if you don't feel look I think there's such thing as being too comfortable and if you're comfortable being comfortable, it, for me, that's that makes me uncomfortable. Like me that too. makes me cringe mm-hmm. a little. And there's a lot of people out there. I think a lot of your audience, it's like you're at the age where you guys have been trying so hard to feel comfortable for so long mm-hmm. about your body, about yourself, about your work, about your life, about your money, about your relationships, that I think one thing that kind of happens is people get caught in the status quo. Mm-hmm. And when you get caught in the status quo, it's really hard to change. And like, I admire you coming here, which is you didn't have to do that. You're like, I have a good business on my own. I'm doing just fine. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. But you wanted to be bigger. You wanted to try something new. And so I think putting yourself in situations where you can learn something, where there's risk, where there is something not perfect, like that's what makes life really interesting. And that's what makes, you know, it's like no risk, no reward. And yeah. I, I think that people who can do that, whether it's big or small, often, you know, win in the end. Yeah, I think you can't be scared to fail. Mm-hmm. Because whenever I listen to interviews with any kind of entrepreneur or CEO, everyone's taken a risk to get where they are. No one was like, oh, yeah, this was just handed to me and it was perfect. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's exactly right. Like, oh, it just showed up like this. And I also think you can tell, you know, I have a lot of – I feel like there's two types of – entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs so that you can't fake Mm -hmm. but when you get into like CEOs and executives there's people who just like looking executive and then there are people who like are really making things happen and for me my I always encourage people like make things happen you know just make something happen for yourself and it could be you know, it could be something outside of work. It could be like taking up a fitness thing or starting your own, you know, influencer account or, you know, creating a podcast or being better at accounting or taking on a side project at work or whatever, you know, volunteer somewhere, whatever. But I think that the older you get, the easier it is, the more tired you get because the more things that are competing for your time and the more pressures are out there the easier it is to stop feeding yourself new things and forcing yourself into new environments. And I think the more you can do that, the more uncomfortable you can make yourself, even when you're like, shit, things are finally comfortable, Mm -hmm. the better off you will be because you'll keep changing. That's really interesting. And people write in, today they wrote in they write in me always asking how I'm in a career that I don't love and I want to switch is it too late to pivot and I think your advice is going to be like mine I'm always like no pivot never too late (laughs) yeah there's never too late I have a, a friend who's probably 68 years old at this point she's southern and she was she is very pretty and she was like I was raised to be a housewife like I was raised to be somebody's wife And then she got to the being somebody's wife part and was like, I don't really like this. I'm not fulfilled. I think she created a business for herself at 55. 
And without a college degree, without any formal training, without really anyone supporting her. So 55 years old to start a career, like I remember being in high school and Jean Shaheen was the mayor, uh, the governor of New Hampshire. And Jean Shaheen like didn't decide to go be the governor until she was like in her 50s. Do you know what I mean? So like, yeah, it never is too late. You know, it's never too late to try something so long and like what's the worst that can happen is you can fail you know what I mean and then you know is it gonna will it suck yes Mm -hmm. can you go back to the comfortable place maybe maybe not but at least you will have tried and you'll have learned something and if you don't ever try you never learn and that to me is like what's worth life isn't worth living if you're not learning that's so true and I feel the same way like I've always been a risk taker because it's the only way to figure out if you even like something or Completely. don't like something. Otherwise, you're just stuck. It, yeah. it, there's actually nothing that frustrates me more than when someone writes in and is like, oh, I've been you know stuck in my same job for 10 years. I hate it. I'm like, leave. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't get it. Totally. I had someone today who was like, I've been in the, an entry-level position for five years. And I was like, five years in an entry-level position is too long. Too like, long. Get out. What, what's going on? Yeah, you know? so that's what a lot of people also were interested about. Being a woman, like, negotiating Mm -hmm. or, you know, knowing your worth and speaking up, do you have any tips for people to, like, find their voice in the workspace? Yeah, I think it's really hard. I I still struggle with this. Like, I'm not a great – you know, I don't think I'm a great negotiator. Um, In deals, maybe, but it's always so hard to do it for yourself. Yeah. Because you're just like, it's it's just hard to do it for yourself. Um, My advice would be is – or or my advice or what's worked for me is I think there's kind of, I think this is maybe a gender thing. It seems to me like, or, and what, from what I've read is like guys will like demand the salary and then like catch up with the work to, to Mm -hmm. earn it. And I was always the other way. I'm like, I'm going to triple over deliver and then be like, you should be paying me what I'm worth. And I don't think that's the right answer. I don't think either answer is right. Really. I think, but what I what I would say is you should always fight for what you deserve. And when it comes to asking for money, when you take a job, you should negotiate as hard as humanly possible mm-hmm. to get as high a number as possible because most likely that's your highest point of leverage. Yeah, you'll stay there for a while. Yeah, you're going to stay there yeah. for a while. <laughs> now, let's say you do that, you're happy with it. Um, you know, when I was early in my career, I jumped around a lot because I knew I was underpaid and the only way to get a better job was to go do the same job somewhere else uh-huh. with a little bit more responsibility. Mm-hmm. So like I'm a, a big proponent on that, of that. But I also think if you can sh- show demonstrable results and you can convey those to someone in a way that you are showing your boss or your manager or your boss's boss or the finance person hey, I'm creating value for this company, that's an easier way to get a raise. And I always think about it as like a two-part. It's a two-part conversation. It's here's what I'm doing and why it matters. And then the one-two punch of it is, and this is why I would like more compensation. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's how I would think about it. I would also think about it to, you know, be creative and bet on yourself. So, you know, I struggle with this in negotiating a lot where I'm like, I like creative negotiation. Like there's always a way to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And the traditional way of doing it might be X plus Y equals Z. But maybe when you're thinking about your career, you're like, hey, I'm willing to bet on myself. If I hit these metrics, let's do a big bonus. Um, sometimes it's easier for your boss or your manager or your company to give you money if it's performance-driven versus salary. So I would encourage people to just think creatively about how they can be rewarded for their job. No, I think that is amazing advice. Um, another thing that people really wrote in about that I'm curious with, it's how do you channel strong traits as being a woman? You know, we're assertive, we're outspoken, but that's considered, oh, she's a bitch. Sure, totally. Like, but men, they're assertive. Yeah, and everyone's 100%. like, like Dave even, yeah. he'll say whatever's on his mind and people are like, he's a boss. Completely. <laughs> if I said it, they'd be like, she's a bitch. Yes. Um, so I think it's hard because I think people don't necessarily, all people don't love strong women. Mm-hmm. And I see it, like I get teared, 
torn down all the time and it's like the like there is something to tearing down successful women in the media which stinks but and I think it's hurtful and it's you know it's unfortunate but I I think that's somewhat of the world we live in right now which is that there is a lot of vitriol against successful women. There's a lot of support. There's a lot mm. of women supporting women, which is amazing. There's a lot more success stories out there like you and, you know, all of the women here and in other other arenas and businesses. But there's still, I think, a lot of prejudice against successful women and that su- successful women should not want what successful men have, should not feel mm-hmm. entitled to it. Uh, shouldn't demand it and shouldn't own that attitude right like that big dick energy yes you know like if a woman embodies that there's something wrong with her yeah she's bragging right it's all negative traits so So for me it's like you got to keep your world a little bit small and you've got to the people you listen to need to be real human beings who you have a vested interest in and who have a vested interest in you and you can't listen to a lot of the negativity um and 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 negative comments about where you are and what you're doing. Like, Mm. you know, I I would say there are people who think I'm a total bitch and you know what, who are probably right. There are moments where I am a total bitch. There's also people who are like, she's a sweetheart and I love her. Mm. And I think, you know, the biggest thing I learned is you need to really manage the moment, who you are in a moment. Like I remember early on in my career, um, I had a lot of responsibility and, quote unquote power and sometimes I didn't always use it the right way I was Mm -hmm. a bitch when I didn't need to be or I was harsh when I didn't have to be and I regretted that like I learned a lot from that and like ooh, it would have been better had I found had I found a better way to deliver that message because I would have brought that person closer to me and I think there's a way like I don't mind the negative things people say about me or about women in, in power but I do think there's a way where you can uniquely use the skills that you have, which are somewhat feminine, to find a better way to solve the problem or achieve the objective or get to the goal. Yeah, because I think being a woman in business gives us an edge that mm-hmm. men will never have. Correct. And yep. we have more empathy mm-hmm. and we're more thoughtful. Yep. And just little things that definitely give us an edge. The women in my life growing up in the industry – were the epitome of Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. Like I was, I had the worst examples of managers, but I almost think that made me want to treat people differently yep. instead of following their lead. Totally. I was like, I will never treat someone the way, way they treated yeah. me because that's where like the bad reputation comes yeah. from, you know? Yep. And I think you're very approachable to everyone in the office. And was that something that you like mindfully went into when you started here? Like, I want people to feel comfortable around me. I don't want to be, you know, off limits. Yeah, no, I love people. Like I love a team. Like I've always loved a team. And I agree with you. I think sometimes working for very bad managers is a very good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hate people like that. Like I hate other, I hate women who tear other women down. I hate managers or people like I go crazy here when people just point fingers at one another versus like finding a solution for the problem like that's where so many people get stuck Mm. um and I you know for me when I got here there was 15 people like they were like who the hell are you like so I always had to be really hands-on and really open I think I'm an open hands-on person Mm -hmm. anyways I want every person at this company to feel like they can walk into my office or to me in the hall and say something. Mm -hmm. And I want, you know, I have every person at this company's number in my phone. Mm -hmm. I'll always have every person's. I mean, that's stupid at this point. People are like, you're probably a bad CEO. But I'm like, (laughs) I want to be connected. I think we're a company that's so on the cutting edge that – you know, we need to be connected. You need mm. to be able to have that touch point. Things go wrong all the time. So I like that. I I find that I learn more from like the random conversations I have with people who've just gotten here or come from a different place. Like I love that. I think that makes, I think that makes this job so incredible. That's, yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I remember our very first meeting, you were like, here, take my number. And in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> the CEO just gave me her number because again, I come from 
don't ask questions, yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Like yeah. that's just the way I've been groomed. Yep. And for me, it was like, oh, wow, this feels welcoming. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, we could talk all day about like the stereotypes of yeah. like bar stool, but yep. it's like, it was so welcoming. And I haven't come encountered with one person here yeah, that's not here been nice. So nice. So nice. Yep. Like, down to the guys to, to the a girls yeah. yeah like everyone's sweet as pie and I think that says a lot mm-hmm. and you do hire like eclectic people yes yeah you know like everyone has such a different story completely people are from all over the U.S. Yep. like everyone here really is different in the best mm-hmm. way possible mm-hmm. um do you ever get imposter syndrome oh interesting as a manager just as like I'm the CEO of Barstool Sports, like are you ever, you know, sometimes do you have to check yourself and be like, wait, wow, I'm actually the CEO? <laughs> um, that's a good question. <laughs> I've definitely felt imposter syndrome in my career, um, for sure. Um, and especially early on in my career, a lot. Um, Barstool, I feel it less so because it was so small and mm. then we built it. So it was like... I know I'm not an imposter because yeah, you're from fucking the- spent five years doing this. Like I've done nothing but this for five years. Yeah. So I know it's real. But um, I've definitely felt like that. I remember I got this big job at Microsoft and I remember going to dinner in Boston with a girlfriend and I was like, I am so unqualified for this job. Mm. I feel like I lied. I feel like I am just so woefully unqualified. And then I got there, and I still felt like that for a little bit. Mm. And then after a while, I was like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm actually going to be the, I'm going to be great at this job. Mm. And so for me, I think when you get those kind of thoughts in your head, you've got to be like, is this helpful to me? Is this true? And is this helpful? Whether it's like the haters or imposter syndrome or lacking confidence, if, if you tell yourself you're ugly – you know, or you're mm. like, oh, I feel fat, or I'm stupid, at, or bad at math, or I'm mm. bad at my job, or I screwed up on this, that, or the other thing today. When I start to get those thoughts, because every person on the planet mm-hmm. has those thoughts, I always say to myself, is this true? And sometimes it's true, and sometimes it's my head just telling me oh, yeah. bad <laughs> things. Um, and then I ask myself, is it helpful? And sometimes when Mm. bad things happen, it can be really helpful. Like, ooh, I screwed up on this. I should have handled it this way or this way. Or I knew I should have done that differently. Or I made a mistake. Um, But I think if you're able to debunk what's happening in your head, um, it helps you break through all those syndromes. You know what I mean? I also think it's like your brain wants to be comfortable, which is in part why your brain sometimes keeps you stuck. Because it tells you every reason you shouldn't do something or every reason you're not good enough. Or sometimes I'll find, like, I'll be imagining a worst-case scenario just to prepare my heart so that I I don't get, like, hurt in the the worst-case scenario. Uh And that's not good either. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you got to fight your brain a little bit on that. No, that's so true. Um, Yeah. My therapist is like, I'll tell her something. She's like, why are you thinking about the negative? Don't manifest that, like, negative energy. She's like... Leave Put it, it alone. Yeah, and yeah. it's hard to do because it creeps in all the time. And it's like, you know, but I think if you can, I think if you can really stay focused on like, here's what I'm doing to move myself forward. Mm-hmm. And that may be big things. It may be little things. It may be personal things. It may be career things. I want to be happy as a person. And I think people in general want to be happy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what are you doing to help make yourself more happy? What's going to make you happier? Um, and sometimes we go down the wrong paths of like, what is that thing that's going to mm-hmm. make you happy? Sometimes it's a lot of things. Um, but if you can stay focused on where you're making progress, I think it helps you get to that place much faster. And then you enjoy the journey of it. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, in terms of like Barstool mm-hmm. and the future of Barstool, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, you took a chance on someone like me yeah. who's yeah. talking about things that yeah, things no one else here is talking no about. No one's talking about. Yeah. What do you see next in terms of like the type of content or the creators that you're bringing on? Is there anywhere that you want to like grow the company that it's not necessarily doing right now? Oh, like a thousand places. <laughs> you know, I like I like new faces who want to build tribes and fans and community around themselves Mm -hmm. like I really love that I live for that that to me is so so fun Um, I love really creative people so um, and then I like 
business. So I'm like, how do we make these things work? How do we get more efficient? Mm -hmm. How do we grow? How do we make money? So, you know, I think we'll always be, our heart will always be as a content company. So finding new people, maybe it's in gaming, maybe it's more TikTokers. Um, you know, you were kind of the start of that wave for us Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, maybe it's in finance. Um, maybe it's, you know, I today had a call with a founder of, a drink company. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's a new beverage. So I I don't know, you know, one of the things I really like about Barstool is we're not the company that's like in five years, we're going to be doing blank. And I don't believe in that. I don't know where I'm going to be in five years. I don't think any of us know where we're Mm going to be in five years. If you know where you're going to be in five years, then like, I think that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I do know is we're going to push the boundaries. I know we're going to bring in new people. I know we're going to create new products. I know we're going to do new types of things, whether it's content or television or live events or whatever that may be. So I think that, you know, for me, it's like, how do we continue to stay on the edge? How do we keep this brand hot? How do we find new people that take it forward? And then how do we find ways that that like manifests and, you know, builds a business? Yeah, that's the one thing. You guys aren't scared of taking chances. Mm -mm. Like, I don't even think my audience probably has no idea that there's someone here that, like, specializes in gaming. And then, you know, like, they don't care. There's all these things. And it's like someone has, someone does everything here. Like, someone's touching every kind of industry. And I think that's the one thing that's really cool. Like, you guys aren't nervous to try a new, Mm -hmm. a new path. It's okay to fail. Like, I think Barstool is like a great, analogy for things that you know anyone anyone who listens to this show can take into their own life you know like it's okay to have a past it's okay to not be perfect it's okay to try a ton of things it's okay to let people see the good things and the bad things and the warts and the wrinkles and like Mm -hmm. and also the great things um it's great to bring people along for the ride it's great to aspire for new things um, it's okay to fall on your way there. And I think, like, we're just going to keep doing that. And the more you can do that and Mackenzie does that and everybody does that, like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's could, what it's about. I love it. This was so inspiring oh, for me good. even. Did you like it, Mackenzie? <laughs> All right. Do we not cover anything? <laughs> no, I think we hit everything. I love it. Where, Thank you. Where oh. can everyone just, like, follow oh, you and follow stuff? Oh, following. The, the plug. <laughs> um, all right. So I have a podcast, which is Token CEO. Um, and then you can follow that everywhere. Um, or you can follow me at EK Nardini. Amazing. Thank okay, you. Okay, cool. Thank you. All right. Here we go with the Ask Alyssa segment. This one hits home. I'm 31 and practically married to my job, which I totally love. And my roomie is in the same boat. However, both of us are constantly aware that our biological clocks are ticking. So if we do want kids, we need to act fast. It's like, do you settle with slash for a guy who we may not be 100% about just because our window is closing? Not everyone has the luxury of being able to afford freezing their eggs. I don't know. It just ends up being our conversation so often. And I was like, WTF, there's got to be other ladies out there wondering what the fuck to do with that kind of pressure. How to cope with stress, how to know the right path to take. Feels like relationships at this age have to move fast because the time is running out. Maybe pointless, but love listening to your episode with Devin. Um, No, I mean, I relate to this so much. I think... Even before I was 30, when I was like 20, as women, I think some of us, I won't speak for all of us because I don't think every woman feels this way, but Mm -hmm. I think a lot of women have that feeling inside where they're like, what if I'm infertile? Right. You Like, it's just this fear inside of you. Mm -hmm. And you spend 10 or so years of your life trying to prevent pregnancy. Right. And then it gets to a point where you're like, okay, now I'm going to hopefully one day try to get pregnant and I don't know if I'll be able to. Yeah. And I think I deal with it. Like I think turning 30 for me, I try to always look at my sister as my role model because luckily I have someone that's three years older than me. Mm -hmm. So I look at her friends and the people she's around and their life path. Yeah. And I saw a lot of them meeting their like forever person at 30, 31, 32, now 33. Mm -hmm. And they got married within, you know, a year or two had babies and it's all worked out 
perfectly for all of them. Yeah. So I try to look at people like that and be like, okay, you know, it's not such a rush necessarily. Yeah, there's still time. Exactly. But then obviously the other side of me is I personally have such a desire to have kids. I always say like, this sounds really weird guys, but I'm just being honest. (laughs) My like body feels ready to have kids. Yeah. But my brain doesn't. Yeah. Like I feel... I'm trying not to be like a weirdo freak, but I feel like hormonally, like I, my body's like, you're ready to have children. You can like handle it. Yes, exactly. Like I could um, handle it, but at the same time, I don't feel like children fit into my life in this very moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I live in an apartment. I like going out with my friends. Right. Yeah. So it's weird because it's like biology. Biologically. Biologically. Biologically, I could tell as a 30-year-old woman, my body's like, time to get pregnant. Right. (laughs) But mentally, as a 30-year-old who lives in Manhattan, I'm like, eh, I could wait five more years. Yeah, exactly. But then you face... Will I be able to get pregnant in five yeah, more years? I know. It's, yeah. I like, I'm, I mean, I'm only 25. So prefacing this with like, I can't really relate to that. But I also understand like as a female, it's so hard to not have that in the back of your mind. Like always be thinking about that, especially at that age. But also I think so, like the world and times have changed so much that like my parents and like my parents' parents were having them at like 18 years old. Like now it's yeah. completely a different world and people are getting married at 30 and having kids at 35. And I think you just have to remember that it's like totally normal to just kind of have your own path and like let it happen whenever it happens. I agree. And also though, which I'm curious to ask you about is when I was 25, mm-hmm. I remember my thought process. I was, you know, even when I was younger, when I was 23, you know, first one or two jobs, I remember working with a Mm 28-year-old and she was single Mm -hmm. and she wanted kids and she wanted a boyfriend. And I remember looking at her being like, I feel so bad for her. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, wow, like she's so old. Like Mm -hmm. that's how I felt. Yes. Yeah. And now that I'm that age, I'm Mm -hmm. like- I was wrong. Yes, yeah. But now that you're 25, do you, I bet you even feel like, wow, I have to start thinking about this soon because we all grow up thinking, oh, I want to have my first kid when I'm 26, 27. exactly. And now you're 25 and you're probably like, that might not be realistic. Right, exactly. No, I have the same thing, even like similar to that, where when you're, yeah, when you're like 16, you're like, oh, I'm going to get married by 25, have a kid by 28. And now that I am that age, even even two years ago and 25 was still three or two years away, it was kind of just like, oh, wait, actually, like, I don't even have a boyfriend. Like, it would still, we, I would have to be with him for this amount of time, all this stuff. So it's just like, you, I don't know, it's all overthinking. And I'm sure every woman does it too. But yeah, it's that situation where you're like, oh, well, I was supposed to be married now. And now I'm not even dating. Yes. Like, now I have to date this person for this much time. And then I have to have a kid by this age. But I think, Again, like I said, so, like times have changed so much that I don't really think about it that way. I know. And if, if it wasn't, if I didn't have this clock ticking, in my perfect world, I would meet someone within, you know, the next six months to a year. Just like perfect world, meaning I'm not putting a time frame on it, but that's just like what my heart desires. Yeah, yeah. Like I'd like to meet you someone. Want. Yeah, I would love to travel with them for a year. Exactly. Relocate. I, I would love to live travel do these things I don't want to like get pregnant and like have a baby like I said I don't mentally feel like I need a baby right now in Mm -hmm. my life yeah but at the same time I know I could handle one and I know I would be obsessed yeah but in a perfect world like I don't know I'm 30 I'll probably have kids at 34 35 Mm -hmm. which like would maybe scare me a few years ago but now I see so many women getting pregnant and like science has progressed and I hear what you're saying about money because it's so freaking expensive let me tell you Mm -hmm. like these appointments and these treatments like it really is so expensive and I'll you know just have to jump that hurdle when I get there but um I think 
do what you feel is right in your heart for right now. And I think you just have to trust that there's a plan for you mm-hmm. and your life will go according to that plan. Yeah, for sure. And I also definitely, she said something about settling mm. just because of that. And I don't think that's a reason just to settle for something. Like this is your life forever. If you're just going to randomly pick someone because you want to have a baby, like there's plenty of other options. Um, and so I wouldn't, just settle like just for that reason i literally rather have a sperm donor than settle yeah exactly and like if i wanted a baby that bad yeah exactly like there's there's so many options and obviously a lot of them are can get expensive but no i definitely wouldn't settle just for like reasons you think society's putting the pressure on you or like forcing you to do it that's a good point to touch on because i forgot that she had said that absolutely never settle you will find your person you're 31 work is your focus but we're spending so much time on this question but I actually (laughs) had an epiphany this weekend or a breakthrough you should say with my therapist (laughs) where I feel like in my life the things that cause me stress are things I deal with personally like you know um confidence or whatever it may be that I'm dealing with personally and then the other thing that gives me an immense amount of stress is work if I'm being completely honest because I put a lot of pressure on myself to be financially successful um you know just successful in general it's something that I've placed a big emphasis on in my life and basically I was saying to my therapist this past week I was like I think if I had a partner mm-hmm maybe work wouldn't be my whole life. Yeah. And that's not to say that I need a man to fill a void at all. Mm -hmm. But what I was saying to her was, maybe if I was excited about someone, that would be half of my thoughts. Right. Whereas now, because I'm alone so much and because I'm so single, I think I'm like, I'm relying on work to fill every void in my life Mm -hmm. to give me all of my happiness. Yeah. So then when something, when I read a negative comment or something goes wrong, I have anxiety over mm-hmm. it yeah and I had this epiphany where I was like maybe I'm lonely yeah like and mm-hmm. I don't even realize I'm lonely because no. I don't even talk about it or yeah. think about, I really genuinely feel very content day to day and then I was like you know what maybe work is just work and there's more to life yeah and I just want to give you that advice because I had that epiphany because I'm a workhorse it consumes me and I know you literally use the words that you are married to your job as am I and what I realized is that like we do not have to be married to our jobs our jobs are things that make us happy it's things that bring us success but it's not our entire world so maybe dating and being able to lean on someone when you're going through work stress or when you need to take a load off like that could also fulfill you so something I'm realizing um and maybe it's something that you have to realize too and it will help you balance meeting someone and then also still loving what you do for work yeah 100% agree (laughs) okay we spent a lot of time on that one but honestly (laughs) heavy topic and heavy question and I wanted to give it the time yeah for sure it's always like kind of heartbreaking to hear people with like in that situation but you kind of have to think about it in a way that like you're not the only one there's like so many people out there that feel exactly the same way that you do every single one of me and my friends yeah Mm -hmm. every single one of us okay um this one said Alyssa could I please get your input on my boyfriend giving me impersonal gifts for reference my boyfriend just came to town for my birthday he got to meet my parents and he gave me a semi shitty gift for my birthday i'm not saying i'm unappreciative it just had zero thought behind it aside from a heartfelt card and painting he made me i was gifted books you'd find in a five dollar bill f- food from trader joe's and a jacket that fit me in no way It was a small petite and I'm a regular woman's medium slash large depending on the cut. I'm kind of annoyed that this happened but at the same time I don't want to be an ungrateful bitch. Thoughts. Okay. I kind of disagree and I'm going to tell you why. You said he gave you an impersonal gift but then you said that he wrote you a thoughtful letter and painted you something. That seems very thoughtful to me. That seems over the moon thoughtful to me. And like and like the other things were just kind of extra as like an add-on and as a man granted you're a medium large think about this if he bought you an extra large 
You'd be mad, too. You would be livid. Yeah, exactly. He probably knew it was too small, but yeah. he probably was like, if I give her a big size, she's going to be like, oh, what, do you think I'm fat? Oh, also, <laughs> yeah, and also there's this thing as, like, receipts, so you can just go exchange it for the right size. I really, I don't think you're necessarily ungrateful, but I think I would challenge you to look at the situation a little bit differently, mm-hmm. and to me, it seems like you tried, and maybe it's just stuff you don't like. Yeah, yeah, and I think certain like with gifts certain people are really good at giving gifts like i have my 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 brother is so good at giving gifts and it's just like i don't know he just finds the right things but sometimes you're trying to put thought into it but you can't you don't really like have the idea yeah i get like half my gifts for my family like from instagram ads that target me i'm like okay perfect looks good but i i don't know i feel like sometimes it's kind of like a knack that you have and some people just aren't really good at finding gifts for people 100 percent and i think you you know you can't expect um people to be mind readers yeah that's the thing too okay we're gonna do the next one ask Alyssa, please help i am helping plan a bachelorette for my best friend of 10 years we are going to miami in july my friend is super into wedding things and is a planner and loves a theme She and I are very similar. Her maid of honor is a bit more reserved, has never planned a bachelorette party, and this is my eighth. She's very distant, reserved, and in the group chat with the other girls. Every time I suggest something, I feel like I am overstepping, but I fear that if I don't make these plans, everything will be last minute and look sloppy. Everyone in the group is from separate groups except me and one girl who just had a baby and might not be able to go. Any tips on navigating hard conversations on planning when you don't really know the people? Feel like this could be common for people our age. I will have to be with this group for three occasions, including the shower, batch, and wedding weekend. Thank you so much. Okay, I've been through this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had this situation with friends. I am someone that likes to take control as well if I feel like things aren't getting done because for example like you're saying you know your friend's taste and you know her expectations and you're nervous that the person that's kind of spearheading this event may not do it to her liking Mm -hmm. I think a great way to maybe um approach the maid of honor who's in charge of planning things is reach out to her privately and just be like hey so-and-so I've been to Miami a few times I don't know if you've been to Miami but I'm just (laughs) pretending you have been you know I've been to Miami a few times or I've been to a bachelorette party there and I know that reservations fill up really quickly Um, if you need any help with anything I'm open to giving you suggestions and helping you make the reservations and also let me know if there's any um, like decor you need I'd be happy to order some decor and some favors and then I could just have everyone Venmo me like you can kind of just ask her like you're kind of pretend like you're taking a load off her back yeah by being like is there anything I could help you with or talking to your friend that's the bride and you know me and my sister when I was her maid of honor my sister and I kind of came up with the theme and then we came up with like the general um things that she wanted to do yeah so she was aware right and then we and then I surprised her with things like you know as time went on Mm -hmm. and there was little things hidden here and there or different little things but I think it's okay to reach out to the maid of honor without seeming like you're overstepping necessarily yeah definitely I like I am not a planner I'm usually just kind of in the group and then I just very much go with the flow and kind of do what everyone else does so if I was in that situation as the maid of honor I would be so grateful that someone would reach out to me to try to help me especially if she doesn't really know the other people she might feel awkward reaching out to ask for help so maybe she doesn't want to put herself in that situation but I don't know just as somebody who very much is like along for the ride and I don't Mm. really I don't I am not the best planner I would be like so happy if she was reaching out to me to try to help me with stuff so I don't I personally would not see that as overstepping like whatsoever I think that's a really good point Mm -hmm. and I think some people would think it was over something some people wouldn't right um that said I mean just be choiceful with the way that you're wording things and um, maybe just I know money is a big thing when it comes to bachelorette parties so maybe you guys could agree on a budget or ask everyone what they're comfortable with spending on decorations hotel dinners 
whatever it may be. Yeah. I think that's kind of a piece that's missing because when you don't know people well, you can't just text them and be like, hey guys, Venmo me $600. Yeah, for it's the, awkward like, to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. When you're so, not close. So there's a lot of details that you kind of have to work out. But yeah. um, I think that your friend who's the bride will appreciate you helping out. Yeah. Awesome. Totally okay. Agree. Yeah, that's it for the Ask Alyssa segment. And now we're going to spill a little tea. Okay, guys, let's spill the tea. I was just saying to Mackenzie, I'm like, ugh, there's nothing to spill the tea on. And so much just transpired within the last, like, five minutes that now we just have so much to talk about. (laughs) So, okay, a picture was posted of Jennifer Lopez kissing Ben Affleck on the lips. I'm looking at the picture right now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it's like someone oh, wow. wrote, they were like, I don't care if this is staged. I need this. Um, I'm still getting staged vibes. Yeah, it seems a little forced. But it's kind of cute. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I kind of like it. Um, Also, Chrissy Teigen. I don't know how familiar you guys are with the fact that she had like really, 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 really crazy, nasty bullying tweets come out. She has gone ahead and made a like statement. And when I say statement, I mean a five slide essay. Oh, gosh. Addressing everything. Yeah. Um, I'm looking now. I don't want to read you guys the whole thing because it's so long. You could just go to her Instagram. But she commented on her own post. Kind of starts it off by just saying it's been a very humbling few weeks. She's been quiet and she's just so like humiliated and disturbed by her um, behavior. She says, I was a troll and I am so sorry. And um, she talks a little bit about how she was really insecure when she first started using social media. She doesn't want to excuse her behavior, but she does want to just like address the state of the mind that she was in during those times. Um, She said she wasn't mean in her everyday life, but she was, you know, kind of mean online. And she talks about how her daughter's a lot like her and she wants to be a good example and yada, yada, yada. It goes on. She finishes by saying, I won't ask for your forgiveness, only your patience and tolerance. I ask that you allow me, as I promise to allow you, to own past mistakes and be given the opportunity to seek self-improvement and change. Phew, a lot, I know. Thanks for listening. So... Um, We'll see. I think she had to come out eventually and say something. Yeah, definitely. I'm open to forgiving anyone as long as they're open to seeking forgiveness genuinely. Right. And like changing. Yes, Because obviously everybody makes mistakes. And like this happens to athletes a lot too that get drafted and they're young. And then somebody finds a tweet that they tweeted when Mm. they were 14 years old. And it's kind of like, okay, yeah, that was bad what they said. But at the same time. They were 13. It doesn't define who they are like, today. Like, they're 20 years old now. It's been how many years they've changed. And that's not to say, like, what they said back then wasn't was bad. Right. Like, yeah. they still should be punished for what they said. But, like, people can change, too. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, as long as someone's genuinely sorry, then yeah. I'll always forgive. It's people that aren't sorry, right. don't know what and they are did just doing wrong. it uh, for good PR. Yeah, exactly. That's the kind of people that is like, eh. but I think everyone's a lot. I think we need to just as a society be more graceful with giving people um, opportunity to change. So I'm happy that she spoke out. I think we'll be hearing from her a little more. I think like anything else in Hollywood, people will forget it. The mm-hmm. world will keep moving. Yeah. I mean, like look at freaking Army Hammer. Oh, I know. He was accused of rape and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And then like, the world just stopped talking about it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we hear last week that he just checked into a rehab facility for drug, alcohol, mental, and sexual um, rehab, yeah. which clearly he needs. Right. But the world stopped talking about it for a few yeah, months. It's, so it's like. It is wild that people how in Hollywood, happen. they are just quick to forget, man. Yeah, exactly. So crazy. Um, So those are the two big pop culture things that are happening at this moment. I also just want to spill the tea on what I'm watching on TV currently. I am in a deep spiral hole watching the originals, which is the spinoff to the Vampire Diaries. My um, zip code is now in New Orleans. My (laughs) boyfriend is Elijah Michelson, and I am trying to be a vampire. So that's where my mental state is at in New (laughs) Orleans with the rest of the Michelson family. Um, Season one of the originals, 
not great, not great. I gave up for a little. I was not into it. It just felt very bleh after The Vampire Diaries, which was like the best show of all time. But season two, things picked up. Now I'm on season three, and now I am invested. So don't give up. And then after the originals, I will be binging Legacies, which is the spinoff of that show. So like I'm just going to be in Vampire Land for like a few more months. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So please... (laughs) Stay with me during yeah, this time. Fair. Oh, I also watched Mayor of Easttown. Oh, I actually haven't watched that yet, which is like so shocking, but I need to get on that. Over Memorial Day weekend, you know how it rains the entire weekend? Yeah. My friends and I watched it together. Mm-hmm. I normally don't watch like thriller type of scary shows by myself. Yeah, me neither. So it was good that friends were there. Yeah, totally And agree. Um, it was a good watch. Like, it was fine. Yeah. I, I liked li- it. Yeah, I like... I need to watch it because I keep hearing people in the office talk about mm. it. And I I literally will get FOMO of not knowing about Me a show too. people are talking about. That is half the reason I watch The Bachelor because so many people talk about it. 100%. And I, that was one of those shows. And that was like Game of Thrones too, which I actually never watched. But I Same. always felt left out. Yeah. Because I was like, I need to watch it just so I can join the conversation. No, I totally agree. And I thought Mayor of Easttown was like good and thrilling and fun and blah, blah, blah. But like... Is my life better because I watched it? Not necessarily. It's not like one of those shows where I'm like, that was the best show I've ever seen. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. Right. Uh, I also thought it was Mayor of Easttown. Uh, As in M-A-Y-O-R. It's Mayor, M-A-R-E. Yeah. So that's that. Um, I'm also watching... Uh, not that much. I guess The Bachelor, when I'm binging a show like The Originals, I'm not watching other things. Like, yeah. it consumes me. Mm-hmm. Like, I get behind on Housewives. I get behind on things that are currently airing. Oh, me too. Because I'd rather binge the show. Yeah, I do the same thing. And then I was wondering if there was anything else I wanted to spill the tea on. I felt like there was a little self-care tip I wanted to give you guys. I don't know. I've been drinking, like, collagen in my water. I don't know if it's doing anything, if I'm being (laughs) completely honest. All this stuff, like that, like those green water drops, like, I haven't even drank them in so long. Who knows? Honestly, I just think it's a waste of money. So, yeah, my final... um, takeaway is the green water did not help clear up my acne in fact I have raging hormonal acne (laughs) right now so I don't know guys try these things at your own risk the only thing that actually works is like self-help that you could is like tangible like writing in a journal going for a walk and the self-care scribble journals will be launching pretty soon so as always thank you guys so much for tuning in I will talk to you next Tuesday. 